This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. You give me that funny feeling in my tummy. Right everyone, it's a new week, which means a new gig pod. This is episode 152 and I'm delighted to say Celtic are still 9 points clear at the top of the league after a 4-1 win once again over St Johnston on a pitch that resembled something after the War of the Roses, but nevertheless in perfect condition to talk about it with me today are Rizzo, but also Spunkphone. John, how are we? Hello Stevie, hello to all listeners and... Hello to Spunkphone as well. Spunkphone, you can apply to John if you want. I wasn't really wanting to apply either, to be honest, but no, it's a, it's a pleasure to be here, um, as always. Um, I'm, I'm feeling uh, feeling very positive on this Monday after a, another wonderful performance from the, the champions and runaway league leaders yesterday, so great to be here. That makes one A's, doesn't it? We'll get right into the game last week before we talk about the St Johnston game. Just very quickly, myself and John were at the Livingston match, and John, I'm going to come to you to talk about it because... Uh, we were at the game, of course, as I said, and the entire second half was that much of a non-event and a bore. We were pretty much talking to each other rather than watching the game, eh? We were. It has to go down. It's probably one of the dullest second halves I've seen Celtic play for a long time. It was just unwatchable guff. I mean, Livingston didn't really try to do anything, although I suppose they did hit the post, but that was more down to a, a Celtic error. But no, I mean, it was a, a good, comfortable win, and I thought we played well first half, but Second half was just a non-event, and I don't know what to say about Livingston. I mean, I don't really like them that much. I don't really like David Martindale, but they do get results in like the fourth in the league. They'll be top six without question. 
but I think that says more about the league than anything. I mean, I say there's only two good teams in the league at the moment, and that's Celtic and, to a lesser extent, Rangers. But the rest of the league's much here much. Just now that I've said that, someone will probably give a hard game and take us the extra time on Saturday. But, no, a good one. First four or five minutes were good. The second half was a non-event, and just glad to get it out of the way. Would you say the gulf between Celtic and Rangers and the rest of the league is it? It's like widest ever in some time. Certainly since like the o two o three season. I mean, I'm not going to say the sixteen seventeen one when Celtic were just in a league of their own, and um, when Brendan Rodgers won that invincible treble. But I'd say like you know both teams are now just seem capable of for the rest of the season going on a run. And battling the rest of the league um, without even getting out of first gear, to be honest with you. Yeah, and I, I think even to a much lesser extent, to be fair, Hearts are pretty far ahead of everyone else at the moment. I think all around the other nine teams in the league outside of Celtic Rangers, who are obviously, as you say, well in front. And Hearts, to be fair, had been on that very good run until they get smashed in, in midweek uh, last week by Rangers. No surprises there, folks. I, I, I think that they're just streets ahead at the minute. I don't think... We obviously know all about the run Aberdeen had been on until they, they got the three points on Saturday. And Hibs are pretty terrible under Lee, Tommy Johnson. But I, the, the gap just seems to be getting bigger and bigger by the season. Um, I, I know it's obviously a big talking point as to why that's the case and how it's you know somehow Celtic and Rangers felt that that's the case. But yeah, it, it, it's... Um, there's a real lack of quality, I think, outside of two and, and, and a push three sides at the minute. And John, last point here, there was a bit of an uproar with all the other um, SPFL clubs when Celtic fans dared to actually hide with the truth that Livingston's support was shambolic last week. Um, I'm not going to say I don't get the reasons for it. I mean, they're going to come to Celtic Park. It's already an expensive enough ticket, I get it. And they're coming in for a midweek game that they're not expected to win. But at the same time, it was like a minibus full of fans there. And you were just saying the, the bare honest truth. It was a terrible, terrible support. Where do you stand on that? Do you defend them there? Or do you think, you know, we're well within our rights to go? What is, it, what is that all about? I'll defend them to an extent just because of where they are geography-wise. I mean, there's four teams that are more attractive in that area. Well, maybe three if you count how bad Hibs have been this season. But people would probably rather support Hibs, Hearts, Celtic Rangers if they've got a the choice, but if they live like near West Lothian. So it's not really a surprise they've got a small support, even like when they won the League Cup back in the 2000s, they never had that much of a support, and like, they were in Europe even then. So no, I wasn't surprised. They've, they've never been a big team, and I can't believe I'm praising them again, but that just shows how well that a guy like David Martindale has done, that they've got like hardly any fans. Whenever Celtic Rangers play there, or some even hearts, it's like 90%. 95% the away, the ground's full of away fans, yet they're going to be top six again. So no, I mean, I, I can understand why they've not got any away fans because they're just not a team with a big support and I doubt they ever will be. But they are one of the best six teams in the Scottish Premier League, so make of that what you will. Right, that's enough chat about Livy and David Martindale. Now we're going to talk about yesterday's game against St Johnston and McDermott Park, a match that we won 4-1 and we of course beat St Johnston 4-1 in Christmas Eve as well. And what I will say, Spunk Phone, is before we talk about the lineup and everything after the match, I never came away for that game thinking, you know, St Johnston, what a nightmare. Because in the briefest of patches, they actually came out and they tried to play a bit of football. They got a goal back, um, and at two one, up until we scored the third goal, they had a lot of the ball and they were actually pushing for a second. And 
St Johnston were like that on Christmas Eve as well when they came to Celtic Park. Like they opened up, and that's the reason we went in there. Um, I think three goal lead at half time, and we scored a fourth just after it. But St Johnston, to their credit, never just sat in and never just you know um, set out for damage limitation. They actually came and had a go and tried to create chances, and that's how they got their goal at Celtic Park, forcing a mistake for Joe Hart. What was your take on St Johnston's sort of style compared to Livingston yesterday? Well, it's night and day. Um, and, and to be fair, I think most of the time particularly more so on the road rather than at Celtic Park because we all know teams are basically 9 out of 12 are coming there, possibly even 10 out of 12 are coming there just to keep the score down. Um, they did have a bit of a go at Celtic Park, to be fair, on, um, on Christmas Eve. And I, had, I, I mean, it was a very difficult pitch to try and play any football on, but credit, I, I suppose, to them when they did get hold of the ball. Um, they were to actually create and scored a, a pretty good goal as well, which we'll obviously come on to. So... Night and day compared to Livingston, but then again, I think that's the case. Uh, I think that's the case most of the time, isn't it? Yes, there is. Truly, no team like Livingston in this league. Thank God for that. There's only room for one of them now. John, uh, about an hour before kickoff on Gigpod Instagram, I think we predicted ten out of eleven for the second week in a row. This time, I didn't feel Dyson Maeda was going to start because he got ninety minutes against Livingston um, last week, and it was excellent as well. But I just thought the effort that he put in was going to sort of catch up on him for the weekend. I didn't think that he would be playing a part from the start. I thought he'd definitely come on off the bench. I just didn't see him starting. I thought it was going to be Jota and Abada. But to his credit, you know, Maeda started. They played a big part in the first goal as well. I'm not going to ask, do you think the manager got the team right? Because when you look at that result and you look at the team that he put out, of course he did. But were you surprised that Dyson started after the sheer shift that he put in against Livingston down that left last week? No, because he's playing so well now that he has to be in the starting lineup. I mean, I know that Ange sometimes does, like, race guys, even if they've played well. I mean, I know we'll talk about Moy in a minute, but he scored twice Easter Road, and then in the next game he was on the bench at Ibrooks. But no, Ange loves uh, Dyson, and he's, I think he's playing his best football that he's played for Celtic there now. And, I mean, he played a big part in the first goal, and he's just been excellent. So, no, I, I thought he would start, and I have to say, when Leela, when Leela Bada came on, he didn't have the best of games. So I just definitely got that one right. I, I thought he'd start and don't know, he might not start this Saturday. In fact, I don't think he'll start this Saturday. But I do think that I mean when we're back in league action against Aberdeen and then in that good old cup final, he'll definitely start. And I think the team that started yesterday is Celtic's best team. But I mean we'll talk about that maybe a bit later on. The game itself, Andy Considine, thank you first of all for your service and the opening OG and your display in general yesterday. A true disaster class. I mean, the ball over the top that Kyogo played and the wee interchanges that we played between Maeda, Moy and then Kyogo to set up that OG was just a fantastic sort of way to open the scoring. And then the second goal was so well taken from Kyogo as well. Again, um, it came after another Considine shocker, but it was such a great finish from Kyogo. Getting into this game, I never expected anything other than a routine win. Didn't think it was going to be fully comfortable, but I predicted something like um, like 3-1 just a couple of hours before the game when I was speaking to people about it. And when it was like 2-0 up, you're thinking, you know, we could get that goal difference right up as well. But St. Johnston, to their credit, um, got to go back and came into the game but what were you thinking when we went two goals up in the first like 15-20 minutes or so? I thought it would be like a, a 4 or 5 nil job and I, it was a weird atmosphere yesterday, the, the pitch didn't help and I, I don't think even the commentators sounded that interested good old Sky Sports, a wonderful company, they sounded like bold basically when Celtic were strolling then they sort of 
they pepped up a bit when St. Johnson got that goal. But no, I mean, I know we talk about the law and average and of that, like, are we going to keep winning? But Celtic really are, are relentless now. So I wasn't surprised that we went we went two goals up so early on. I mean, I think St. Johnson did play decent in the game and they're one of the teams that have played fairly well against us this season. But it didn't surprise me because we've got the attacking play. We've got guys in there that are playing their best football for Celtic. And I was a bit surprised, really, when St. Johnson scored. And I suppose we better talk about the goal now and Joe Hart's role in it. Sorry, Spunkphone, you're lumped with the negativity here. Now, I personally felt Joe Hart was to blame for that. I saw, stupidly, went on to social media during the game, that great app Twitter, and there was a lot of people making excuses for Joe Hart. And I felt it was quite strange because, you know, if, if that's somebody like Barkas or Bain and that goes in, I mean, they're getting powered. I just don't understand why. I mean, don't get us wrong, right? It was a very good strike with Ray, right? But I think he's got to get enough of a hand on it to like, sort of tip it wide for a corner. And I'm not for a second am I saying drop Joe Hart for the rest of the season and we need to get rid of him now and all that. I mean, it's you've got to remember we've had, what, was it five or six clean sheets leading up to this game? And he's happened to concede one and he kept us in the game against Kilmarnock in the semi-final too. So I'm... Um, you know, not being unbalanced or unfair here, but I really felt for that strike, as good as it was, Joe Hart should have done a lot better. And it was just a real sort of lapse in concentration from him. It was a, a bit of a weird one. I, I don't know if it's maybe just took him by surprise. As you say, it was a good strike for the right. And it's actually, it's a nice little kind of interchange. Um, play a wee kind of triangle before at St. Johnston. Then it's a good enough strike, but it, I think it must just take him by surprise because it is one where I think he obviously gets that, that touch to it. And, I thought at the time when I seen it myself, it was a, a cracking goal. And then once you see it back in the replay, you think maybe it should do a bit better. I'm not a goalkeeper myself, obviously, so I can't comment too much on positioning this, that and the other. But I, I think it is just a, as you say, a lapse in concentration, maybe just not anticipating or expecting it. He has actually pulled off some pretty good saves. Recently, you talk about the game against Kilmarnock at Hamden as well, where I thought it was outstanding, but... I did think that was a bit of a poor one yesterday and, and possibly, as you say, a lapse in concentration. Maybe just took him by surprise um, as much as it was a decent strike by, by Dreyer out. Also, not to blame Joe Hart fully. That all came from Rio Hitati losing the ball in midfield and we know that Hitati does that and you know he gives the ball away fairly often, but he does take risks. So on this occasion, he was just caught diddering on the ball. So that doesn't happen. You know, if Real Hattati just releases that a bit earlier. So I just wanted to get that in that it's not fully on Joe Hart. But we did get a third goal, Rizzo. I don't want to just sound like a cliche here when I say it. We're running out of words to compliment Aaron Moy because the form... I mean, a lot of people do say we Aaron Moy, right, that it's been since the World Cup. But I'm going to dispute that. I would say since we beat Hibs 6-1, he was outstanding that day against Hibs. And they set up a goal for Forrest as well, I think. But I think since October... Moy has just been different class for us and the World Cup he's taken his game to a different level where he's actually scoring goals for us now as well as assisting but John I mean that goal was just an absolute belter we messaged each other right after it and then we're just in awe at the great play by Jota but what a cam finish most players probably in this league wouldn't have just lofted it over the goalie like that they would have probably you know put a foot through it and blasted it in or they would have tried to overthink it but the way that Moy just put that away he made it look so, so easy when it's actually quite difficult to uh, finish it like that. It was a brilliant goal. It reminded me of a goal that Paul Lambert scored at Rugby Park and it must have been 2002 or something that was pretty similar. I mean, I think Moy's goal was better, but it was a similar finish. But no, as you say, we're constantly praising him on the podcast. It's like nearly every week when we do the pod, we've got 
get more raves about Aaron Moy, but he's just brilliant, basically. And I know you said he was good in the Hibs game before the World Cup, but I thought he was actually good in the Hearts game at Tynecast. We won 4-3. I know he missed a sitter in that game that would have made it to each, but he still played well. I think he was involved in at least two of the goals, maybe three of them. So he was excellent that day. And he's just got better and better and better. And now he's scoring goals as well. And it's not just penalties. And I think he's our best player now. I don't think he'll win player of the year. I think if I say Liverpool wins it, and I think I say Liverpool will, it'll probably be Kyogo just because of the number of goals he's scoring. But no, I think our best player now is Aaron Moy, which I didn't expect to see when we signed him. I know you bigged him up, and well done to you for that, but he's just getting better and better and better. And looking back, as I said before, Ange's decision to drop him for the game at Ibrox at the start of last month was just inexplicable. And I know uh, we've talked about that game a lot, but it just didn't make any sense at all when you look back in it. And because he's so good and he was playing well before that game, but he's getting better and better and better. And will he start? I think he probably will start. Well, actually, I don't know if he's going to start this Saturday. I don't know what sort of team Andrew Pickle will be a strong team, but I think he might give Moya rest and bring him back for the Aberdeen Rangers games because that's like the league and it's a cup final as well. But he's getting better and better by the game. He's so good, he's so composed. He, his passing is brilliant as well. That pass he done to Abada set him up yesterday was phenomenal. He's just brilliant, and we may as well just call it the Aaron Moy podcast because we rave on about him so much. He's fantastic. A lot can happen right between now and that cup final on the 26th of February. But is there any doubt in your mind right now, Spunk phone, that Aaron Moy has to start that final? He's like one of the first names in the team sheet, you know, I, I, absolutely. I think, um. If, if Moy is, is fit come the cup final, which fingers crossed he is, fingers crossed all our big players are, um, then there's no doubt in my mind that he'd be in the, the midfield for that game. Um, that's not a slight on Matt O'Reilly, who obviously leads the, the charts and assists this year in, in the league. I know Sky and particularly Ian Crocker are obsessed with that stat about how he's had the most shots on goal. And To be fair, it is one thing Moy is doing that O'Reilly wasn't, which is putting the ball in the back of the net, although O'Reilly's been contributing in, in other ways, but yeah, I think going off form him, Dyson as well, post-World Cup break, they're two players who really need to be kind of first names in the team sheet. I, I know there's more than a few players who you'd consider to be, you know, must-starts, but yeah, I, I think in terms of his form, you guys were kind of touching on it. I think it's ever since he moved into that kind of number eight role, if you like, playing as one of the two eights rather than playing deep, which he was a lot in the early stages. Um, I think because he basically just didn't have the legs. I mean, he, he hadn't played a lot of football for, you know, the best part of a year, basically, before he, he joined. And once we've got him up to, to match fitness, and obviously he's got that kind of post-World Cup bounce because he went there and had a, a good tournament, he, he's been phenomenal. But I kind of echo everything you guys have said. And as I say, if he's fit come the, the 26th of February, he needs to be on the team sheet because he's just been fantastic for us recently. Similar to the Dundee United game, it just petered out, but Celtic were completely in control. And you know what? If we have games like that till the end of the season, and as long as Celtic get three points, I'll happily take them. Tumble scored with the last kick of the ball, which was a free kick that he took pretty well. Low into the bottom corner, which our good pals at VAR reads though. Once again, it took about uh, half an hour to confirm if it was uh, legitimate or not, but it was, and Celtic got the three points. John, there was a lot of chat on social media, right, about um, Haksabanovic and his future and the fact that he's not maybe featured a lot. Like, before the World Cup, 
um, against Dundee United and Ross County at home. He had starring roles and he'd scored three goals for us. I think, in fact, he was the player of the month for November 3rd. But since the World Cup, um, he's not really had a look in. And I've seen some fans say they're concerned about that and, you know, where does his future lie? But personally, I'm not that worried about it. I think what I'm seeing from it is the fact that we've got a very good player in the Haxavanovich and a great option to come off the bench. But I think it's a testament to how well Maeda and Jota are playing that a guy like Haxavanovich can't get in the team rather than, you know, any personal issue that the manager's got against them or that. What do you think? Well, I think it's a couple of things. The World Cup break came at a bad time for him because, as you said, he was coming into form. That winning goal he scored against Ross County in the last game before the, the break was a brilliant goal. And then he got injured, I think, after the, the when we came back as well, and he was, wasn't in the team at the start. And really, if you're picking your best select team now, he won't be in it because, as you say, Dyson and Jota are playing so well at the moment. And Dyson especially is, I think, in the best form of his Celtic career. You can't drop him. Jota, even when he's not playing well, he can still contribute. I mean, he scored the goal last week. He was involved in the first two goals yesterday. In fact, the first three goals, I think, he played a part in yesterday. So you need to keep him in the team. So I don't really think there's anything to worry about his future yet. But, I mean, if he's no... I don't know. If he's if he doesn't feature that often, they might say to Ange, I'm not really happy, which you can't really blame him because that's the way football players are. But the the guys in front of him are playing so well, there isn't really a place for him in the team at the moment. But I do think he is a guy that definitely will start on Saturday. I think he'll play, and who knows if he plays well, that could put thoughts in the manager's mind. Will I involve him against Aberdeen in the cup final? And he's the sort of player, if he's on his game, that could have a big impact in the cup final, because I don't think he was even on the bench when we were at Ibrox. I think he was injured. So I don't know if there's anything to worry about his future yet, but the guys in front of him are playing too well for him to get in the team, and that's really the bottom line, as Stone Cold Steve Austin would say. I echo this kind of statement and sentiment of John there. I think it is just a case of World Cup break came at a pretty bad time for him when he was just picking up form. Um, he did then obviously have that little injury, and as you kind of said, it is just a testament to the players in front of him. Um, you know, normally when he'd featured for us, he'd featured on that, that left-hand side of the front three, but... Dyson's been in such fantastic form and when Dyson doesn't play there, Jota has often found himself shifted over to the, the right-hand side will normally start in his place. So I think it's just been a combination of um, obviously the injury that they've had and, and then just a, a bit of a struggle to basically get back in the team at the minute because of the, the form of the players in front of them. So no, I, I don't think it's anything to really be concerned about at this stage. We've got that many games between now and the end of the season that he will get minutes and it's just a case of obviously taking advantage of those opportunities when they when they do arise. So, no, n- nothing to be concerned about, I don't think. I, I think it is just a case of there's so many players in, in form at the minute and, and obviously he's coming back from uh, from that injury and that spell at the team as well. Before we go, we decided between the three of us we're going to do a gig pod Valentine's Day poem, seeing it as the season for all that nonsense. And uh, since we're not going to probably be all together, the three of us, next week, then we might as well get this one out of the way to now. So I'm going to do my poem, and then, John, you can do yours, and Spunkphone, you can read yours. So mine's is simply, Roses are red, give Moy a new deal. All I ask of you, Ange, is please empty Beal. Thank you. John, you are next. Right, so here's mine. Roses are red, Celtic nine clear, please win the league, and we can all drink beer. Thank you. 
bloody hell, who says romance is Dida? I've got to say, Stevie, just initially, I was quite surprised when you floated this idea, given how badly it went on the Celtic Twitter page the other day, but um, I've composed a, a pretty simple effort. Um, I've went with Roses Are Red, we've got Kyogo, thank you, Daisene, Arigato. Rizzo, do the outro and just put this podcast to bed. Right, so thank you, Spunkphone, for making your return to the podcast. It was great to hear from you as usual. It was a, a pleasure as always, John, and great to be in the esteemed company of both of you tonight. Yep, so you can find us on Twitter on Instagram at GigPod. We'll be back after the St Mirren game, which is on Saturday, so we'll be back next Monday, I'd imagine. So we'll speak to you all then. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Good luck to Celtic next week, and hail, hail. Podcast Network. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.